What up, though? Welcome to the Fat Boy MMA Podcast, where we talk about everything combat sports, but mainly MMA. If you want to hear a couple regular MMA fans talk about MMA history, notable fighters, up-and-coming fighters, and everything in between, then this is the podcast for you. Now, I should warn you, we're not professionals, but we are big fans of combat sports. Now, if that sits good with you, grab a beverage, sit back, relax, and let's go. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Fat Boy MMA Podcast. I am your host, DC. And of course, I got my co-host here with me, Locke. Hey, how's it going, everyone? So, uh, today's podcast. So, how this one came about, I was actually watching um, YouTube. And I happened to be watching a, a video came up. And I think it was... Uh, I think it was um, what is that Mayweather boxing channel or something like that on YouTube? And um, they were having a conversation going around the gym, talking to people about who they think would win in a, a you know matchup that could never happen, of course, uh, between um, uh, Tito Trinidad and uh, shoot, I forgot his name that quick. It's my guy too, Spence and uh, Earl um, Spence. And so, um, you know, they were asking everybody what they thought and, and conversations like that. I like because, um, although it could never happen, you have kind of, you know, similar structures, things of that sort where you can compare. And so of course I messaged you lot said, Hey, what do you think about this? And then I kind of talked about how, you know, one thing that I think makes it easier to compare in boxing, even if you go back 10, 15, 20 years, because the sport of boxing hasn't changed that much. Whereas MMA, 20 years is like, you know, a whole different lifetime. So it's I like threw four it out eras there. ago. Exactly, exactly. So I threw it out there as a topic to say, hey, you know, what do you think about talking about um, kind of MMA and, you know, kind of the old versus the new. And if you think there's anybody from maybe 15, 20 years ago that, you know, would be able to compete in today's MMA. And when I say compete, I don't mean win a fight. I mean, be some type of contender, be a top 10 guy. Right. And, uh, and so I kind of threw that out to you. So I'll actually let you kick it off because I didn't even get your kind of your thoughts about it in general. So I'll let you kick it off with your thoughts and, you know, see if we came up with any of the same conclusions. <laughs> so when you first asked that, it is kind of a tough question because I'm a fan of a lot of these old guys, but I automatically think no. Like, I can't think of any of these guys that would be able to compete with the modern MMA fighters. Uh, just mm -hmm. because the game has changed so much. So we didn't discuss too much of the ins and outs of how we do this. So what I kind of did was I pictured like, okay, well, what guys that did fight 20 years ago do I think if they were just starting now in modern MMA could have kind of, uh, you know, been a good fighter? And uh, mm -hmm. it was still pretty slim pickings. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think I got a, I think I came up with a couple. I mean, you want me to just kind of dive into who I think or what? 
Well, let me go into uh, my thoughts first, and then I'll, I'll pass it back over to you to dive into who you think. So similar to you, um, I couldn't think of anybody, but then I thought of one person, which I, I'll, I'll uh, once you go, I'll put this person out there. But I thought of one person, the only person that I looked at that I felt like could compete. Now, because I really didn't come up with anybody either, I also came up with a few other guys for something, but a different direction than what you went. I said, well, if we take it to some of the guys that were fighting or, you know, kind of was starting to hit their peak around 15 years ago, but you don't think of them as really a, a guy that was fighting. Uh, well, let me back up. When I think about what I mentioned to you, I'm not thinking about a guy that just started his career 15 or 20 years ago, right? First fight or something like that. I'm thinking about a guy that had some kind of name or was making some kind of name. They were in some type of big organization, you know, pride UFC or something like that 15 or 20 years ago. So um, what I ended up doing was coming up with a couple people that were close to that 15 range. And then I, I, I want to explain kind of who I think is the newer version of those guys. So that's what I have. I'll shoot it back over to you. Okay. Well, you went 15 years ago. I was looking at like the first, like the original UFCs. Yeah. So Well, you know, I gave you the spread between 15, 20 years. You know, because that's kind of what popped into my head, like, you know, thinking about that. And I did give you that. It's in a text message. So you don't say, don't say I didn't. We have text message proof. <laughs> like, I, I like that you assume that, like, I, I read well and, like, I comprehend <laughs> stuff. Like, you, I'm not saying that you didn't text that to me. I'm just saying, come on. <laughs> like, I just read stuff and know what it means. Well, no, but this is good, though, because we, we, we're going to have two different lists for two different reasons. So it covers a lot. Yeah. Um, so I was looking at, like, the, the old school, like the original guys mm -hmm. and, and any of them that could. And I think all of them would get blown out. Even, like, the guys that are great, like Hoist Gracie. I think his mm -hmm. style, he would never adjust to a striking style like good enough right. to get him through a, a fight against somebody that wants to because he doesn't have the wrestling back pedigree either to drag people down so mm -hmm. even guys like that they wouldn't, wouldn't be able to compete at all yeah i don't think uh one guy that i kind of thought uh is chemo leopold yeah big dude and the reason i thought that is because i he did go on to have a career he fought until like 2006 or whatever and, you know, he had a pretty shitty... Well, he, he was losing, like, West Sims and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. But that was at the tail end of his fighting career. You know what I mean? He had fought in, like, UFC 3. And then now, you know, he was fighting, like, 13 years later or whatever. But um, I think, you know, his body type, he was, like, 6'3", 235, which is, I think, is around that perfect size for a heavyweight where they're, they're not too big. Um, you know, like, natural... Two two forty. Yeah, he he was um he looked he held his weight really well. You wouldn't look at him and say he was ripped, but he was a very muscular dude. So it's like he held the weight well, and not to mention you know he carried a six thousand pound cross to the to the cage. So yeah, that's not easy. <laughs> yeah, six thousand pounds, you know, and then for the whole match, you know. <laughs> well, and um, 
he's a jiu-jitsu black belt. You know, mm-hmm. grappling goes a long way. You can't, you know, you can't make up for that mat time. But he's got some kind of a stri- striking background, like karate or something like that. Um, mm-hmm. But I think when you look at, like, the Hoist Gracie match, like, he basically lost that match because Hoist held him by his ponytail for, like, mm-hmm. 25 minutes. That's not in the modern skill set, you know? Yeah. So right. I think it being less of a fight, like he was uh, like a physical specimen type. He was big. He was strong. Uh, he was athletic for a big guy. I yeah. think that was less, that worked less back then than it would nowadays. Yeah, especially because back then, you know, a good point that you made on the time and everything was timed very different. And I think it's also the reason why a Hoist Gracie was able to you know, play his game, so to speak, back then, and why <laughs> that wouldn't work today. It's literally a very different. It's almost a different sport, you know. With that, uh, you know that, like you said, twenty-five minute. I think at one point, fifteen minute you know, first round and everything like that. That's a very different sport, especially when you're talking about some of the big guys. Yeah. And and nowadays in, in a UFC heavyweight division where you still, like Overeem could come in and knock out two dudes and get a title shot. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, like no, absolutely. no hesitation. And um, if he had started earlier... If if MMA had been what it was and he could have spent a career in MMA, I also think Pat Smith it could have been a, a very, very good. Pat Smith. I am not familiar with Pat Smith. Um, so he was, he was kind of a big dude. He was like a um, a kickboxer. So he's, he's one of these okay. guys that's got like 300 kickboxing matches and 40 boxing matches. And... Uh, I just looked him up. Yeah, I've seen him before, but I don't think I've ever seen. Well, I don't remember his fights. Like I don't remember him. I can't say that I've never seen a fight of his, but I definitely don't remember it. Wow, it's crazy. He was actually fighting in. Um, his last fight was in 2016. First fight was in 1993. <laughs> That's crazy. Speaking so- of which, I just noticed that uh, uh um, what's his name um. Shoot, name is on the tip of my tongue. He beat uh, Tyron over in Strike Force. Um, uh, KO Tyron over in Strike Force. Um, you know who I'm talking about. Uh, hold on one second. Now I gotta look him up. You, listen, now I'm the, the one that everybody bad with wants names. to know. You're now we're all waiting on the stuff. tip of our tongue. Uh, you're supposed to know this stuff. I am terrible with names. Everybody knows this by now. <laughs> yeah, that that is true. But um, it, I, I, I was never a big Tyron Woodley fan, though, so I was the mm-hmm. wrong one to ask, so I don't know a bunch of his career. So I was just trying to think of old Strike Force guys. Like, I don't know, like Gegard or... Murquat. Nate, uh, Nate Marquardt. Yeah, he yeah. uh he's actually back fighting. He came I didn't know he came back and had a fight back in August, but he got another fight lined up already. And he took like four years off or something. I didn't think he was coming back, but yeah, it's crazy. But anywho. But yeah, so those are the two I came up with. I was thinking uh Pat Smith, 
and um, Kimo Leopold, both because they're big guys, you know, and big athletic guys can go pretty far in MMA nowadays. So the only person that I came up with from back in the day that I feel like can compete today is also a heavyweight. No surprise there because the great thing about heavyweight is if you got a really good punch and you can keep it on the feet, you can knock a lot of guys out. But a prime Tim Sylvia. So Tim Sylvia was in the UFC. I think his first UFC fight was like 2002 or something like that. So he would have been at 19 years, right? But a lot of people don't remember how dangerous a prime Tim Sylvia was. Now, yes, he was stiff, especially compared to today's MMA fighters. But his style, the fact that he can wrestle, the fact that he could sprawl, and when he was in shape and in his prime, he was a very dangerous man. And, you know, even guys that had a lot of agility had a lot of problems with him. Like, you know, Frank Mir back in the day was a very agile guy. Um, uh, Arlovsky back in the Arlovsky has always been a move around kind of fast heavyweight, right? And Tim Sylvia gave these guys all the problems that they could handle. And I think his size and range, he was, what, 6'8"? That's still a big guy in the heavyweight division today. And, you know, I said I was going to mention people that I think are somewhat similar today. I think the 2.0 version of him is Derek Lewis, right? But I think he's more skilled as far as striking. His skill level, I think, is higher than Derek Lewis's is. But Derek Lewis has shown you still... In the UFC, if you're a big guy that can pretty much keep it striking, and even if you are not the, you know, leg kick guy or whatever else, you can be really dangerous in this division and be a contender. And to the point of what you mentioned before, at heavyweight, you're only two, three wins away from a title shot every time, right? So um, I think Tim Sylvia is the only person that I saw that fit the criteria that I think truly would be able to compete, a prime Tim Sylvia, would be able to compete in today's heavyweight UFC. What are your thoughts on that one? Yeah, because I think uh, body type-wise, he's similar to, uh, who's the the big Russian guy that Derek Lewis knocked out because his balls was hot? um, Yeah, um... Shoot, I don't remember his name, but I know who you're talking about. So, you know, body type, he's kind of similar to him, you know, and, you know, a little gumpy, but still effective with a striker. Kind of that Keith Jardine awkward striking where Mm -hmm. it looks awkward, but it's effective. Yep. So I could definitely see that. And Tim Sylvia is a guy that that people sleep on. His his career really fell apart late, but when he was in his prime, uh, he, he was a beast and... He was good at multiple skill sets and stand up and grappling. So yeah. Um, but before you even said Tim Sylvia, I came up with another one, and I think. Go ahead. Um. So now we're just naming those fight heavyweights from that generation, but I think the dude <laughs> that could probably step into MMA in any generation of it, and probably still mm-hmm. well into the future. And compete at a higher level 
in multiple divisions if he was at his prime is Randy Couture. Yeah, I would agree with that because I think the 2.0 version was Daniel Cormier. We saw, you know, he did a lot of damage at heavyweight. And, uh, you know, him and Steve Pay, you know, had kind of their back and forth. But even with that, I think that last fight was a very winnable fight for him. I think the only person at that time he still absolutely did not want to see, particularly now that he has wrestling, was Francis Ngannou. But almost anybody else, I would have put my money on DC. And uh, I think, you know, he's the 2.0 Randy Couture, which, and, you know, one of the things that Randy was really good at is a lost art in today's MMA, and that's that really against the cage, Greco punching you and not trying to take you down. I'm not putting you up against the cage to take you down. I'm not trying to rest. This is literally an offense. And not many people have it, which also means not many people are training for it. Yeah, the dirty boxing always works. The Greco wrestling mm-hmm. always works. And that's why I say like any division because, or any time frame because he has mm-hmm. the stand-up to grappling ratio no matter where he mm-hmm. goes. And, and and to me, that's the big difference is, you know, you look at some of the old guys that are one style, and that's what makes it tough to match up against the newer guys. But he's mm-hmm. always had multiple disciplines. Yeah, no, I would agree. Now I have my cheat list. <laughs> so my cheat list um, really are all guys that either are still fighting what about as a little guy, Sean Shirk? I thought about Sean Shirk. The problem is I don't really know where he would transition into, especially um, kind of weight classes. And his style, the harp thing about his style was um, you kind of seen him in his prime going up against the ground and pound wrestler that he had issues with. I did. I couldn't really picture him against. Let's say he was because he wouldn't be at fifty-five in today's, uh, you know. So I I pictured him at forty-five or thirty-five, but that's also him shrinking down. Just for conversation's sakes, also everybody I'm talking about, I eliminated, you know, the Royce or whatever. Everybody was on Royce back in the day. That's just what it was. So we're just taking the fighter, right? Uh, and according to the Diaz brothers, everybody's on Royce today, but that's neither here nor there. So just looking at that and his style, it was hard for me to really imagine him against, you know, a Peter Yan or a, a Volkanovski or a Brian Ortega. I, I couldn't picture it enough to say where he would fit in because of kind of the guys that he fought, if that makes sense. But I wouldn't disagree with that because I thought about him. Gotcha. Yeah. So the cheat list. These are guys that, you know, kind of was right around that 15-year mark where they kind of got their start in the, in the UFC, so they got to the big stage. But um, I call it a cheat list because all of those guys were, you know, kind of really fighting until recently and some even fighting right now. 
And so, of course, you know, I have the great Anderson Silva. So he started UFC in 2006, so that would have put him 14 years ago. Um, he was already fighting, but once again, he I'm I'm looking I'm talking about guys that really were in like big promotions 15, 20 years ago, and he didn't get there until 2006. Of course, the 2.0 version of him being Israel Adesanya. And even if we look at that fight against him and Israel Adesanya, this is a, you know, old, beat-up Anderson Silva, and you still saw the glimpses of greatness. He's nowhere near what he used to be. But if I'm looking at a prime Anderson Silva, I think he show, uh, Adesanya is showing that a really precision striker is still very dangerous to most guys at the 185-pound division. So um, we have him. I have GSP. GSP came to the UFC in 2004. So he made it, you know, under the 15, you know, the 15-year mark. So, um, and uh, with him, I see the 2.0 version of him being Gilbert Burns. The reason why I say that is, even though you think of Gilbert Burns as a jiu-jitsu guy, when you look at this new Gilbert Burns, he's a striker with timed wrestling, especially if you look at how he fought Tyron Woodley. The reason why that's important, I was one of those people that felt like GSP would not be able to beat a Tyron Woodley when Tyron was in his prime, you know, and he had the title and I wanted to see that fight. But the way Gilbert Burns fought him, if you look at that fight, he looked just like a GSP. I hadn't seen that great of a mix between striking and time takedowns before, you know, since watching a a GSP. So, yeah, uh, Burns has the jujitsu and everything, but nowadays he really doesn't use it. He's a striker wrestler. You know what I mean? And then the final person, Frankie Egger, came to the UFC in 2007. Um, So that would put him at, what, 13 years, something like that. And the closest person I I would say to Frankie in his prime is TJ Dillashaw. And the only reason why I say that was, was because he was mostly speed and footwork. And he was very undersized for 55. The problem is, if I brought back a prime Frankie Egger... I wouldn't bring him back at 55. I would bring him back at 45 in today's uh, UFC. And I think that maybe he could even cause 35. some damage. I thought about 35 too. But once you get to 35, the problem is it eliminates some of his speed. Mm-hmm. Right? Because I don't think he's as fast as a Dillashaw. Good call. So it's like right in between that, you know, 55, 35. But those are the people... And the reasons why I came up with them, the newer versions that I think you can look at and see a 2.0 to say, okay, this type of style can still work if you have the right person with this style. What are your thoughts on those? I mean, yeah, I agree. All those guys are, you know, would still compete in, in the modern level. I actually think that, I think it's crazy. Most of the guys you listed, I don't think are the 2.0 version. I think they're like the 0.5 version. 
<laughs> well, this is why they have to be the two. And Gilbert Burns version. is like GSP, but not like the better GSP, like the shitty GSP. <laughs> this is why they are the 2.0 version. Because of the level that they're at in today's MMA. Yeah. Yeah. Adesanya you know, is like you a... gotta look at that. That is that means something. Adesanya is like a purple belt in jujitsu. <laughs> Listen, Adesanya in today's MMA, his striking is top notch. Yeah. And what he's able to do right now is I mean, we haven't seen that since Anderson Silva. Right. But Anderson Silva was able to back that up with a legit jujitsu black belt. Just saying. Um, you say he's Anderson Silva 2.0. I say he's Anderson Silva without the grappling. Okay, so how about this? How about we just change that whole I hope this name podcast don't you, blow up because Israel Adesanya is going to beat me up. Listen, we'll just make it the person in today's MMA I think has the most similar skill set. How about that? Okay. <laughs> just saying. <laughs> That's just that's so, just yeah. disrespectful to Anderson Silva's <laughs> black belt, and I think coming from a jujitsu guy, I'm disappointed in you. I'm gonna tell you what's funny about Anderson Silva. So, if anybody doesn't know yet, which anybody that has listened to this knows, Anderson Silva is still my all-time favorite fighter. But my heart was broken recently, and I don't think we've talked about it on this podcast. But I was watching a episode. It's a um, it's a um, a guy that does a has a YouTube channel. It has gained a lot of popularity in the last few years. Called um, More Plates, More Dates, right? And he was talking to Faraz Sahabi, and they were talking about why the fight didn't happen between GSP and Anderson Silva. And they started talking about a lot of stuff. And then they started, somehow that conversation also went into performance-enhancing drugs. And Faraz Sahabi was was teetering the line as to whether he thought Anderson Silva was on drugs back in the day or not. Now, I don't know anything about performance-enhancing drugs other than the names. If I see it or anything like that, or you know like how certain things have street names, but the real name is different, I wouldn't know anything about it. So they they went back to he me he either told, wink wink. <laughs> he told he told uh, he was telling uh, Derek from More Place More Days. He was like there was an episode of Cribs back in the day with Anderson Silva, and he goes into his closet, and on the shelf is a box of like um, I think it was growth hormone or something like that. And it's like most people didn't recognize it because they wouldn't know what it was. But there was a box, I think, of needles or something like that with whatever was on it. They said that's basically what's used for growth hormone or whatever. And so then after that happened, Derek Moore plays more dates, went back. But then that video like started trending some on YouTube. So it popped on my radar and I watched it. Now, I still don't know what was in that box. But it broke my heart in pieces. But I still have an an undoubtable bias that Anderson Silva is the greatest MMA fighter of all time. But it goes back into my point. Everybody was on drugs back in the day. So 
even the the great Anderson Silva sounds like he was taking a little something something. So who well, he knows? Dirty, but, didn't he? Way later though, yeah. right? That this was this was after um you know after the leg break and all of that. From what I understand, this episode of Cribs was like prime Anderson Silva before the loss to Whiteman. Gotcha. Yeah. So what do you think about that? Now you got to go back and watch the episode and, and uh, you know, tell me if it looks like the drugs you, I mean, <clears throat> the drugs you don't take. <laughs> well, I mean, I grew up in a locker room and shit, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, but I think, uh, I, I think it also speaks to how casual you are with it. You just got to, you don't even think to put that up for this shoe. Um, Mark McGuire he had that like andro or whatever he had that was like something he he did an interview with it in his locker at one point because it wasn't illegal <laughs> then or something and then i pop, did not know that yeah <laughs> it was like sitting behind him in his locker like you know mm-hmm. um but i don't know it it hurt my feelings that's what i do give gsp extra um credit for never popping and 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 that's why i think even if even if we're going to accept the fact that anderson had a couple dirty tests if we're going to count mm-hmm. that he's still not the goat because then you got to count john, count john jones and then john jones pick uh, leapfrogs anderson yeah uh so anderson's still the goat um that's not debatable <laughs> No, but, uh, yeah, I mean, this is the thing. Everybody, at some point in time, it seems like that we have in the GOAT conversation other than GSP has popped dirty at some point, yeah. right? Because you, you still, if you, you can't really put uh, um, John Jones in that category because he's popped dirty before. But he said it was, you know, gas station pills for his Johnson, right? So... And whatever he took, either he continued to take it or, as they said, something keeps lingering and popping back up in his system. Of course, that's where Adesanya kept making the Pico jokes, right? Uh, To where they, you know, had to change the rules where it's like, well, if it's a Picogram, we can let it go because we don't want to lose this John Jones money. (laughs) You know what I mean? So, but um, isn't it pulsing? Isn't that what it is? Like, I have no idea. Yeah, whatever, whatever <laughs> but, it is, he gets like pulsing, like it just can pop up randomly and shit. Like, okay, yeah, that checks out. Yeah, but this is the flip side of that. Um, these guys also fought a lot of guys that were pretty known, open, pretty open juice heads or TRT abusers or whatever else, right? Mm-hmm. So. How's that playing field? You look at Anderson, right? He fought, uh, you know, he fought Chill, you know, roided out of his mind, right? He fought uh, um, Vitor. He fought uh, uh, Hendo. He fought, um, what, what was the guy named? Um, he went up to 205 and fought the big muscle dude. James um, Irvin. Irwin, yeah, Irwin. He fought, or there's so many guys that he fought that were, you know, juiced out of their mind. 
it becomes okay well it's kind of a even playing field you know so it's now as far as we know gsp is one of the only all-time greats that has never popped for anything and, and everything points to him having been clean and he also fought a nice amount of juice heads right uh you know but i think once it got to the point where the juice caught up with his skill level that's when he decided he was out because i still contend that johnny Hendricks beat the brakes off of him and got robbed in that fight but he was also juiced up to the gills yes yeah hey and uh juiced up johnny Hendricks was a machine yeah, he was. He was a wrecking he was, ball. He was a force. He was. He was. You know, that's why, you know, all of those old guys, I wish one was around a lot sooner. Just sit on the one and let's watch some great fights. <laughs> you know, listen, we won't test you. Don't worry about that. We don't worry about that stuff over here. Just do the unlimited <laughs> division. Like, just do what you want. You don't have to, but you can do what you want. Yeah. Yeah. Nah. I, I, it should be something, but... Because I, I think, you know, as with all sports, I think the problem is, I understand it. You want to regulate it as much as possible. But you're never going to be able to regulate it to stop cheaters. And the reason being, it's such a, it's it's worth so much money for these athletes. There are always people in labs creating compounds that are not yet illegal. And these athletes are always going to look for that edge and take it, period. Mm -hmm. So pretty much everybody's on something. The amount of people that's not on something is so few and far in between. You know what I mean? So at that point, it's like, do we want to see exciting stuff or do we want to go back to the level of sports in the 70s? You know? Absolutely. Um. Yeah, I'm I'm with you. I mean, because the reason that we cut out steroids, a lot of it to begin with, was because it was really unhealthy, you know, the way people mm-hmm. were doing it and deregulated. Now with modern science, you know, with the doctor, you know, you can take it pretty safe and effectively. Yeah, I mean, and I would, I would even argue that a lot of, especially when the guys were on TRT and stuff like that, Seems to be safer. I don't know what it does to their chin, but guys that were on TRT could take some good hits. Those same guys, you take away TRT and you, you know, you thump their chin and they might fall out, you know? Mm -hmm. So it was doing something to help them. And most of those guys, I'm pretty sure as their career ends, they're on something now to be normal and regulate but you know as we know getting hit in the head a lot uh diminishes testosterone you know that's a a scientific thing that they've studied so you know gotta regulate it somehow now that doesn't mean that i think people should be on it or shouldn't be on it but i do think that people will always find a way to cheat so to speak but is it really cheating if it's not illegal yet and you're finding an edge, right? And you don't have a problem with what that is. And, you know, somebody's brought up the point before. Well, everybody, you know, 
will take some protein, some creatine, some this, some that. At what level does it become cheating? Right. And that's what it's, it's hard to tell. Right. You're taking your, your pre-workout, your protein, your post-workout, your multivitamin, your, you know, what, what's too much? Exactly. Exactly. Now this little bit is too much. Like that's crazy. You know, then you <laughs> go into compound. now you go into your the what is it the ice chamber or whatever to cool your body at you know minus whatever degrees and then go soak in a float tank. But then now you take right. this little extra little piece of hormone and now you're the bad guy. Right. Or even like even something that's not drug related. You know, back in the day. All the boxers that, you know, used to go up to the mountains and stuff like that to train, you know, so that they their cardio was was super peak. Right. Um, and, you know, I, I remember um, what was that when the UFC, I think it was their first time going to Mexico City. And from what I understand, they have a high, um, high elevation. Fair. And the people that didn't go that, down there early to train or that didn't go to some mountain in the U.S. to train had a lot of issues during that fight, and a lot of that, you know, that uh, cart, a lot of people end up gassing, right? So, did the people that went to elevation were they cheating? You know, what I mean, there's all these things. Now, once again, I don't know the line. I'm just throwing it out there that there's always going to be people looking to get an edge because there's too much money in sports. One hundred percent. It's uh, like your boy Tito said, if you ain't cheating, you ain't trying. You ain't cheating, you ain't trying. <laughs> so anything else on the old versus new? I, I'm just, I, I'm at that age. I'm an old man now. So I'm the guy that always roots for the old, but I'm also smart enough to know that the new always wins. You know, it's the way shit goes. Yeah. yeah especially too, like you, like you mentioned, you know, when you go back to if, as far as like the Hoist Gracie days and a lot of those guys, it's 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 literally like not even the same sport. It's that different um, where it, it would be too brutal. You know, even bringing some of those guys back against other old men that are more well-rounded, we can see how brutal that can be because it's happened. It's like, no, don't do that again. It's like it's like World War One, where you still had these countries that had these old school dudes with big hats and feathers on horses, and they're trying to cavalry charge machine gun nests. You know, guess what they learn? Can't cavalry charge a machine gun nest, man. Doesn't work. You got a, you got a, you got an M16. They got a musket. <laughs> Go way back Civil War. Hold on, when I reload, I got a great shot. Hoist Gracie's the cavalry. Kamara Usman's the machine gun nest. <laughs> That's hilarious. All right. Anything else before I wrap it up? Nah, that's about it, man. Like I said, I always root for the old school, but the new always gets them, man. Yeah, I think I think this one uh, definitely, I don't think that this is anywhere near having that same conversation with boxers. There's a lot of old school boxers that I think could compete today, but MMA... Nah. So that wraps it up, everybody. It's been another episode of the Fat Boy MMA Podcast. Thank you very much. Come back again. That wraps up another Fat Boy MMA Podcast. 
If you have a topic for us, please email us at fatboymma55 at gmail.com or reach out to us on social media by going to links.fatboymma.com. That's links.fatboymma.com. Thank you for listening.